0: leader all right hi i'm tara i'm a compulsive overeater um i just want to name that i'm kind of nervous i i'm in a room of my people um and i was just reflecting that um for me people were not safe growing up and i still had that feeling in, um, of anxiousness nervousness woke up at five in the morning, started rehearsing my share before asking God to help me just fall back asleep and um, share what was needed today. Um, yeah, I food was safe, sugar was safe, people were not safe. Um, so that's kind of the my, my bottom line in, in, in OA is that I have learned to show up, say the truth, be authentic, and um, find safety in God, in higher power, in my fellows, um, in the 12 steps, and, um, show up anyway, even when I'm afraid, even when I feel like I can't do it, or what am I going to say that they're going to relate to? Um, so I grew up in Northern California, born in the late 70s, to hate Ashbury hippie parents, Hmm. um, very loose upbringing but I grew up in uh, a lot of mental illness and addiction Um, and therefore even my caregivers didn't feel safe Um, and I found I you know I was I always I, I I've been in program for about six years and I used to say like I didn't have a problem with food when I was a kid or when I was a teenager when I was a teenager I was restricting when I was a kid I was just looking for sugar but I had a thin body so I didn't consider myself as having a problem, but when I reflect on it now, I'm like, yeah, I was stealing money out of the cash register at different friends' parents' jobs so that I could go to this candy store and buy candy. Um, and sugar was my thing. My abstinence is no sugar as the fourth ingredient or more. Um, or I can, I can have sugar if it's the fourth ingredient or more. And now that I've been in program for six years, my, my abstinence is, is simple for me. Um, But now that I've been in long enough, I know the... yummy foods that have sugar as the fourth ingredient or more. So, um, I, I still, am, you know, and I, those foods haven't been, those are red light foods. They haven't been put on like an, an abstinence list, but I, you know, the program continues to grow as I discover ways to get around my abstinence. Um, and, um, I'm, I'm kind of jumping around here, but my, my first year gift from my sponsor, um, was to not have to send my food in anymore. And I thought, okay, this is great, you know, and that was the only thing. Like, I was doing all the rest, the rest of things, my, you know, showing up at once, she requires once a week we meet at the same meeting. Um, and then I, it got really slippery for me. So now six years in, I still report my food every day. That's what I need to do to keep myself safe from myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, where am I here in my story? At the very beginning, with my parents not feeling safe um, and uh, going to food for comfort, uh, for safety. And I did the same thing in college. Even though I had a slim body, I was using food at the end of the day to soothe um, and just not recognizing what it was. Um, and, you know, then I had my kids in my late 20s and early 30s and a bunch of stuff came to the surface and I put up, put on a bunch of weight, about 50 pounds. Um, After both of my pregnancies, I was able to uh, gain the weight for pregnancy and lose the weight. And then once my kids, once I was done having kids and kind of had these, a baby and a toddler, um, I was home a lot and I started using food for comfort. And a big part of my program is... I had so much shame around that. Like, I didn't even want to talk about it. I hired a therapist. The therapist suggested going to OA. It took me two years later from that first appointment where the therapist had suggested OA to actually go to a meeting um, because I just did not want to talk about this with other people. Um, I just had a lot of shame because I, my currency growing up, so I also grew up poor. And my currency growing up was my looks and my ability to do well in school. Um, and so to have one of those pieces of currency um, disintegrating, my self-worth just plummeted. Um, I became very depressed um, and finally thinking of, oh, I hate telling this story, but I, I just said I show up and I tell the truth. I was in a rope climbing birthday party for one of my daughters, and I started looking at the ropes, thinking about how I could use those ropes. So it was suicidal ideation that was like very insidiously creeping in, and I'm giving myself goosebumps because that was the moment that I was like, this has got to stop. Like, this is, is," when I really thought about it, I'm like, this is self-obsession. I didn't know at the time that it was self-obsession until I got into program and heard other people talk about this. Um, but I knew that there was something that needed to keep me safe from from myself and as a parent to my two daughters who are now uh, fifteen and eighteen. And um, I walked into my first meeting um, in May of two thousand and sixteen, and I cried I cried for like the first year I was in OA, but I definitely <laughs> cried for that through that first meeting um, as I heard, the preamble as I heard people sharing about, um, about food, about body, about addiction. Um, and I hadn't even connected the addiction of my family in with the food for myself. I was like, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. There's tons of people in my family who have that problem. Um, and like, when I finally kind of connected that what I was doing with food, what a lot of people do with drugs and alcohol, um, I don't know I just like was like oh my gosh yes this is what I'm doing and I connected that you know I did it you know as a little kid I wasn't I wasn't obsessed with the food I was obsessed, obsessed with sugar but I internalized what was happening in my life in another way I was a bedwetter I was sexually active really early um, I was looking for attention from from men and other people um, And then once I got married and had my kids, I I turned in a big way to food. So that was how I was soothing. Um, And I still use food to soothe. I just have tools now. Um, And I have the self-compassion, which I've learned in these rooms, when I use food for comfort, Um, I don't shame myself about it. I'm like, of course you did. Of course you ate a little bit extra today. I put my hand on my heart. I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's what we do. That's how." And then I recognize it and almost immediately when I when I make it okay, the feeling lifts. The compulsion lifts. As soon as I get into that acceptance piece, which is like acceptance is the answer to all my problems today, right? Like that for me That acceptance piece is so huge because once I can say like, yeah, I I had a little bit of extra to eat or I ate when I wasn't hungry and name it and say it, um, it begins to lift. And then I can actually focus on what we do in here, which is helping other people staying connected to our higher power being of service. Um, I was in such a survival mode growing up that I didn't even know what being of service meant. I really didn't, um, and I didn't know that it could help me. I thought, like, I can barely take care of myself. I'm barely surviving here. How am I supposed to be of service to other people? And when I started leading meetings, I think I led a meeting like three months into program. I'm like, how am I supposed to lead a meeting? What the hell? What do I have to say? And then when I, after the meeting, when people were like, I related so much. This was amazing. And then somebody else asked me to lead. I was like, I can do this. Like, this is where I'm. This is some place where people value this. People value telling the truth, hearing. Um, hearing the shitty parts of our life like where else can we t- talk about the shitty parts of our life definitely not very many places in the world that feel safe to do that um, that I admit I'm connected to as I'm looking at my iPhone here all the time but here I can come and talk about the shitty parts of my life so what have I stayed abstinent through in the past three years I'm going to tell you about some shitty parts of my life <laughs> um, I separated from my husband of 17 years right before the pandemic. So we separated in January 2020. He moved out on March 1st, 2020. Then we got into the pandemic. I applied for graduate school, which I had thought about doing for 10 years. I started graduate school. um, I'm going to finish graduate school in two weeks. And thank you. Um, I have been through... uh, So I have i was um I experienced homelessness as a kid, and I didn't even realize this until I started therapy in my thirties in fourth grade when I was ten years old. we were living with friends for six months um, in the basement of a friend's house out of out of a duffel bag and um, I have a lot of moving trauma. I moved into my own apartment out of my home that I shared with my family and my daughters are they, we share custody, so they go back and forth. I have my first apartment in my own name since I was 18 years old. Um, so I've done that. Um, I started making being becoming self-supporting. Um, last week, I got into a car accident um, where my car was totaled. So this is, this is so interesting because I was actually this is what I woke up thinking about. I was going to talk about it at five in the morning and of course, I haven't talked a word about it. Um, is how when you when people feel unsafe, when your family or caregivers feel unsafe, you end up attuning to them and not yourself. At least this was my case. So I learned to attune to all the other people that were around me. And I actually have no idea a lot of the time what's going on with me. Um, and so this is still what happens with the food with me and why I overeat is that sometimes I'll just find myself in the kitchen and I'm like, you know Now, thank goodness, because I have tools from this program, I can kind of check in. But even sometimes now, I don't check in. I mean, I'm 45 years old, these are well-worn neural pathways for me. I don't check in, I'm, I, I really have no idea what's going on. Um, so anyway, to relate this back to the car accident, I got into a car accident last week. I, I didn't have my car towed because the car was a, a block away from my home, as they always say, car accidents happen. It was the other person's fault, but I didn't have it towed. I, I had to pick up my daughter for ballet from ballet, so I had her Uber home. I had dinner on the stove. I just went home and made dinner. I had the car towed the next day. When I had the car towed to the body shop, the guy's like, are you okay? Like, this car is totaled. And I was like, um, I, I mean, I think so. I guess my wrists and ankles are a little sore. I mean, I just wasn't even checking in with myself to see how I was doing, and... Um, yeah, it took me a while to process what the the accident. Like, I was like, three days later, I was sleeping all day, and I was like, oh, this is this is a big deal. This is checking in with yourself and seeing what you need. Um, and I realize now that like, and this is part of my self compassion, is that like, I didn't learn to 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 attune to myself. So when I'm overeating, um, a that's a clue that there's something going on now. So I can really say like oh, yeah, okay, so now I need to check in. Um, And then when I don't, because it doesn't even occur to me, I just, like, love myself through that. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, tomorrow's another day. I'm going to talk about it in my share. And actually, I didn't even think. It's so funny how, like I said, when I woke up at 5 in the morning, I'm like, I'll talk about this. I'll talk about attunement. And then something else entirely comes out. And that's really higher power. Um, But... Again, I'm I am finally wrapping it up talking about attunement because this is the hard piece of you know interpersonal relationships and working within this program trying to figure out what's self obsession what's you know being a, a, a parent and a mother what's um, how do I help my sponsees um, how do I let them take their own journey um, and when I kind of start thinking too much about all of that, I, I stop myself and I say, okay, my higher power will help me through this. Um, moving my daughter into the dorms for college, my oldest daughter next week, and um, my higher power will help me through this. My higher power will help me through um, that journey next week. And uh, I get emotional when I talk about this because I just didn't have that, I, did, I definitely didn't have parents to rely on in that way Um, so to have a higher power that mothers and fathers me is just a huge piece of my recovery and everybody has and this is what I love about this program is everybody has their own concept of higher power and my higher power mothers and fathers me when I can't or when my parents can't Um, they have all the love that I need my higher power. So my higher power is obviously two people. Um, they, they check in on me. They make sure I'm okay. And they have my back. Um, and that piece really helps me from, with the resentment piece about my parents because as I've kind of learned in this program and in Outside Help, my parents were just doing the best with the tools that they had. So they don't need to be something that they aren't for me. Cause I have my higher power now that can, can, can be that for me. And I have myself, I, the, the self-confidence that I have gained in this program. I mean, so before the pandemic, I had been in program. I don't know where I am with time. The am I okay with time? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, before the, the pandemic, I had been in program for a little over two years three years, maybe, I guess, um, a little over three years. Um, and now I see that as like, I needed my self-confidence to be built up in this program so that I could separate from my, my ex-husband. That separation has been a super positive influence in my life. Um, even though it was painful and we have kids and that's always painful. Um, but I've learned in this program that you can do painful things. You can do painful things abstinently. So I do want to talk about that I've been in program for six years, a little over six years now. Um, I have a little, uh, over a year and a half of abstinence. I broke my abstinence for one day um, on December 26th. My birthday is December 27th. I restarted my abstinence on my natal birthday. Unconsciously or consciously, that was a choice because... when your birthday is December 27th, it's really hard to celebrate and oftentimes it goes uncelebrated. So I'm like, this is a great abstinence date. Um, And I love it when people talk about being in program for a long time and having like a year or two years of abstinence because this is just the way this program works. I broke my abstinence and I got back on my abstinence the next day. Um, And I don't know, that just doesn't, it's important to know that like, This is what happens in program that you can break your abstinence and get right back on. And also that like, I'm fully plugged in. I have sponsees. I have a sponsor who I talk to a couple times a week. I see her once a week. Um, I work the program. I still do a lot of online meetings. I have my own little groups. And I still broke my abstinence. It still happens. Like this is, we're all imperfect people showing up um, to work a program that is about being of service. Um, so the best way I know how to be of service is to do what I've heard other people do, is mm-hmm. to talk about what happens when they break their abstinence. What did they go through? Um, and so, yeah, what else do I want to say about that? Um, somehow the, the, the relief of, there, there's been a relief of a lot of shame uh, shame about talking about things. I I still can't believe I just said I was a bed when I was a kid. I mean, I didn't say that for forty years. I didn't talk about that. It's just not something that was talked about. Um, yeah, that's such a big. That was such. That's such a big piece of step six for me. All the character defects, a lot having to do with shame and and um, and fear being removed. And. There's so many that are still there. (laughs) Um, I've been working with a group through the book Drop the Rock. And um, this is such an important piece because I've always hated the word character defect. It's always (laughs) felt really shaming. And one of my character defects is shame. So... to go through that book and realize, and, and it says over and over in that book, I think I can mention that book because it's part of the curriculum of OA, yeah, um, that um, those those character defects saved us, those help, Those character defects helped us. So that's been a really important piece of working through that book and, and step six, you know, really looking into step six for me is realizing that um, that those character defects were necessary for a long time, and if God hasn't removed them, they still may be necessary. Um, just like my marriage, I, you know, I have a lot of shame about staying in a marriage that I wasn't happy in. And but why was I in a marriage for so long that I was in, unhappy in? Because that was the way I needed—I needed to what needed to happen. I needed to get to this place, um, and maybe you know, if I can, if I just can focus on that, because sometimes I'm like. I do go back to that idea of, like, why, um, why now? Why did I, why am I doing school now in my 40s? Why am I, like, kind of experiencing dating now in my 40s? And how do I know that this is supposed to take place? Because it's taking place. That acceptance piece, again, of being okay with what is, okay with where I am, um, and knowing that The three years that I was in program before I separated from my ex-husband, my self-confidence was building. The tools were building. I was getting more information and more love from from you people. Um, When I walk into a room of Overeaters Anonymous and people are hugging and smiling and talking about their food stuff, their personal stuff, they're revealing things that are deeply vulnerable um, I feel at home I feel connected I feel like this is where I belong and I didn't have that sense of belonging in my own family in my university um, in my, any of my jobs even with my own kids who are normies thank God sometimes I'm like I don't know who these people are <laughs> I don't know how I raised them, um, but I'm really grateful for it, but I need to come in here to feel like really connected and really familial, really that family connection. Um, and I'm so super grateful because part of my, what I would tell myself for so long is like, you're, you're without a family. You don't have a family which is also just absolutely not true because I actually got married and had my own family, and I do have a family that, are, that have their own you know, character defects going on, and now I have a huge OA family. I mean, I have 100 contacts in my phone that I've now built over. I remember when, the, when my sponsor was like, I'd love you to have like 50 contacts in your phone from OA. And I was like, that is nuts. I don't think I even have 50 regular contacts in my phone. Like, I am not a people person. And now I have, I have a little symbol, a little emoji that I use for OA people. And I can put that emoji in, in a huge list of people. And I can see people in this room that I can call. I mean, it's just amazing. Because this is my family. This is where I connect. Um, and this is how I get through it, right? Um, so what do I do today? I know my time is almost up. I... Um, I go to one in-person meeting a week. I go to three still virtual meetings a week. I have three sponsees, um, and I have a sponsor. I send my food every day. Um, I, um, I try to say yes when I'm asked to, to lead, even when it scares me, even when I'm like, ooh, a 20-minute lead in Beverly Hills. I don't know. <laughs> That's what my mind says. And my sponsor, who told me, you just say yes if you can do it. And so I just say yes. Um, and I just do things and, and invite my my higher power with me when I'm afraid. Um, I invite my higher power to give me the, those hugs that I needed from my parents. I invite my higher power to tell me everything is going to be okay. Um, yeah. And I didn't grow up in a with, with, with religion, and I feel so connected to the spiritual part of this program. It, it's possible. It's possible if you didn't grow up in religion, it's possible if you did grow up in religion, because, like I mentioned, like, we all can come up with our own concept of what this, the the spiritual part of this program means. Um, And for me, it means family, having a spiritual family, Um, having people I know that I can call up, sometimes I just have, like, three or five minutes, and there's not very many people in my life that I can call up besides people in this program and be like, I just have three minutes and they're like, good, go. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, we just, you know, turn over what we need to turn over or check in and then that's it. Um, so that just brings me a huge sense of comfort. And um, that's my time. Thank you all for listening today and thanks for letting me share. <clears throat> this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Thank you so much. I relate to so many parts of your story. can you tell me what it is that, that shifted from a higher power perspective in terms of allowing you the self-confidence and how do you handle that on a daily basis? Okay, the question is what shifted from a higher power perspective that um, allowed me to, have, to, to build self-confidence? Um, I don't know, what's coming up for me is unconditional love. Like, I, I just, yeah, that unconditional love that my higher power has for me um, and that you all also have. I think a big part of my higher power is coming in and knowing that the group shares so much of the same struggle and belief system that I do. And, um, yeah, that being able to hold that That unconditional love that you all have with your own higher powers and I see it and witness it and it's modeled for me um, because I didn't get a lot of that modeling and that uh, shifts into into love for myself when my height when I can feel my higher power at loving me it's easier for me to feel that love for myself as well thank you for the question thank you Um, so in terms of your parents Like now, and how did you deal with them in terms of resentment and forgiveness? Thank you. The question is in terms of my parents, what's my relationship like now, and how did I deal with my resentment? Um, Resentment still comes up, and I bring it here, honestly. Um, You know, I think for years I Felt like it was their responsibility to deal with my resentment for them (laughs) and um, that was wrong (laughs) Um, so I bring it to my sponsor I bring it here I bring it into writing my relationship with my mother I mean things really shifted after the ninth step I know I know you don't want to hear that because the ninth step is such a freaking beast in your mind in reality for me it wasn't as bad as it was in my mind but Um, I sat down with my mom and I talked about things that I was really afraid to talk to her about um, during my night step. And our relationship really shifted after that. Um, And I have to be really boundary with both my parents. Actually, with my father, who's still deep in his addiction, I have a no-contact boundary. Like, we haven't had contact for going on 10 years. Um, That's really hard. I think about him every day. And I send him love and pray for him as I was taught to do in this program. I don't want to. My mind is like, why are you praying for that man? And then somebody else is saying, you know, my sponsor is saying, that's what we do in this program, and that's what helps it shift. And it really has. Over the years of being in program, even though I still think about him almost daily, the resentment, I have to say, has really lifted. Like, I just see him as a sick person that never just, you know, that hasn't been able... That in you know that in his time on here on the planet hasn't been able to get help for whatever reason he's on his path but um, yeah so you know they still live in California and my mom has been to an OA meeting with me um, she's one of us she does not go to meetings and is not in program um, and I'm able to have a relationship with her that I don't think would have been possible without this program. So thank you for your question. Hey, um, so my question is, do you love yourself today, And if so, how did you learn to do that? Okay, so the question, do I love myself today? Oh God, self-love is so complicated because if you didn't learn it, it's really hard to totally embody it. So like some days, yes, and some days, no. Mm-hmm. And on the days that I don't, I come here and I get the love from you all and from my higher power. Um, and then I, I think the biggest portion of that self-love piece is being able to love myself through the compulsive eating, which I still do. I'm not one of those people that this has been totally relieved. I work the prog- I work a pretty rigorous program, and I still think about food and have issues with food and have issues that I don't even want to talk to my sponsor about. Cause I know that, you know, it would shift the way I work my program and um, that will happen in God's time. <laughs> and it feels a little weird to talk about that, but I'm like, you know, I still, I'm, it's an, in, I'm in, imperfect. I'm abstinent, but I'm imperfect. And um, I really do believe, even though it's like, you know, something that you hear, you know, that, that, the reason why i still struggle is to keep me connected to program if i didn't struggle anymore i might walk out the door um because i just don't have that base of of i don't know what it is it's, this is what connect this is the anchor the anchor that connects me to you all into program besides the wonderful connections that i've made is the um the compulsion hasn't been relieved it's relieved on a daily basis and sometimes it's not fully relieved and loving myself through that, so even when I feel icky or not cute or old or you know all the things, that, all the <laughs> ideas that come in my head, if I can just love myself through those feelings, I think that that I've I've done okay. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, two questions. One is which was better, one at five o'clock or this one? And second question is mm-hmm. if you. How many days before December 26, uh, 2020 did you start breaking assets? Ooh, that's a good question. Wait, what was the question before the 5 o'clock and the... Which one, which was better pitch? Which pitch? The 5 o'clock one or this one you just came? The 5 o'clock one? The 5 a.m. Oh, the 5 (laughs) a.m. <laughs> Definitely this one. The five a.m. one was not. Yeah, the. But you know, I've never rehearsed a pitch and then actually gave, given that pitch. Um, so yeah, I mean, luckily my the, 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 my higher power always comes in and is like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Just ask, <laughs> just ask what they need to hear, or you know, what how you can be of service. Um, so definitely this, even though I'm sweating still, I'm like, you know, it's hot, but I'm also sweating because of the, the because of the vulnerability, like the vulnerability de- definitely has me in a sweat um, still, but I do it anyway, right? I'm just showing up anyway. Um, and wait, what was the second half of your question? Uh, how many days before? This oh, yes. Yeah. How many days before? So I, I actually broke my abstinence by eating Christmas candy on December 26th, but the buildup was definitely way before. So It was like September probably, I started like eating food and then not reporting it. That was my first kind of clue. And then somehow rationalizing it in my mind, like I just didn't report the amount. So I always say, what's important for me is to be rigorously honest, and this is what the discussion was with my sponsor after I broke my abstinence, like I know you're reporting a turkey sandwich, but I report turkey sandwich, two slices of whole wheat bread. Like I I put the details in because if I just say dark chocolate, like my mind will be like I can just eat two bars of dark chocolate and then report to my sponsor ate dark chocolate. So I put the portions in. Um, and so sh- like I said, like shifts need to, I kn- I know when shifts need to be made. I know when I need to be rigorously honest and I, that's one piece of my program. Now that I've had an abstinent break and gotten back on, I am rigorously honest as best as I can right like I a lot of times don't want to report that I ate what I ate for dinner because it didn't look like a dinner but it was abstinent and I report it because that's what I said I was going to do and that because I have such a peace with shame um, allows me to move on the next day without it kind of building up like it did before I broke my abstinence I think I had had, once I was not rigorously honest and I had shame about not being rigorously honest and then that just compounded but it started a few months before. But also I gave myself a lot of self-compassion because like I talked about, I'm a slow processor and I'm slow at checking in with myself. Like I you know, got separate, was separated after a 17 year marriage and applied to grad school and then had the pandemic. And like, I don't think I really processed what was happening until the fall. And then it's, I started processing it and then it started coming out in my food, but I, didn't, I wasn't aware that that was what was going on. Um, so yeah, it definitely started before then. But I was still, you know, I was going to all my meetings. I've always taken commitments. I've had, my, my program didn't slow down, really. It was my, it was the rigorous honesty. That's, that was the, the, the red flag, yeah. Hi, I'm Tanya. Hi, Tanya. Well, thank you very much for your share. I, I really, res- it resonated a lot with that book. Worthiness. I love your concept of the of higher power, of feminine, masculine, father, mother. My question to you is you seem to have understood that it takes self-compassion to kind of forgive yourself as well. Why don't you talk more about that and how you practice that? Yeah, I love that. Thank you. The question is about self-compassion. Um, Yeah, and I think because my higher power has that masculine-feminine parenting quality um, that I can feel safe in, that's when I can be like, okay, my higher power has compassion for me. And then that's modeled there. It's it's so weird and abstract, right? Because I'm like, these are all kind of abstract ideas, and they they change for everyone. Um, But then... I can take that and then model it for myself. It's, it's, a, it's a journey. It's a process. Like self-compassion is a big, it's, it's big. It's big to wade into. It's big to like actually absorb and, um, and take in. I still have a hard time with it. Um, especially around clothing. Like I want to be able to put stuff on and then look at myself and be like, this looks great. This is beautiful. And I still have a lot of little self-compassion pieces, like loving myself pieces that I want to get better at. Um, but I do a lot. I mean, I won't talk about it because they're outside, but I do a lot of work with self-compassion, a lot of books, a lot of... I think that for me that's a big piece of this program, um, taking that unconditional love and... and Way my higher power holds me, and then in trying to embody it myself. So, so, so I feel like so abstract, but uh, thank you for the question. <laughs> uh, hi. hi. Thank you so much for your share. Uh, kind, of, kind of a two part question. First, um, you uh, said that you generally sometimes don't check in with your, you're not aware of what's going on. And you usually yeah. you, you put yourself, close yourself off and then all of a sudden you get a revelation and you are be like, oh, I need to check in with myself. Uh, can a, you describe that process? And two, are you still processing the car accident and your divorce and going to uh, uh, you know, graduate school and, and the whole pandemic? Are you still processing those? Have you finished or? <laughs> Thank yes. you, that's the good, great questions. And uh, the question is about like, am I still processing kind of the trauma and grief that I'm going through? Uh, divorce, graduate school, pandemic And then, what was the first part of the How the, the... Uh, do you recognize Sometimes oh, was, so, yeah re- and, and, uh, re- and what's your process yeah, Recognizing when something's going on with me Because I, I do have, have trouble Attuning to myself And this is where I compulsively overeat I mean, like I said like, Knowing that when I'm reaching for food When I'm not hungry That there's something going on That's a big piece of it And then am I willing to then slow down sometimes I'm not willing sometimes it happens and I'm not even aware and like for that piece I have a lot of self-compassion but for the piece that like I'm like I know there's something going on I'm reaching for food and I'm just not willing to put it down because I want the food to comfort that is the most that's 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 so hard that's that's like that's why I keep coming into these rooms um because that's the hard piece it's like I'm like it's it's a you know and I don't have to fight it I can just be like higher power helped me out. And then I, it's, I don't know why it works. I don't know why asking for higher powers help for me works so well. And sometimes I just don't even have the willingness to ask for help. That's the hardest thing when I know that it works, but I'm still not willing for some reason. Um, and then loving myself through all of that. And I think I am still processing divorce stuff. Um, and it's, the processing has shifted from like, there was grief, there was like, you know, triage of how we're going to deal with kids and moving. And now that all of that is done, you know, it kind of moved into, um, that shame that I talked about of like, why did I stay so long where I was unhappy and somewhere, you know, like myself, let my self-confidence get so built down. So run down. Um, and, I think a, a huge gift now is just the awareness that I have. Like, definitely I w- wouldn't have had the awareness that I just moved on from having a car accident. I would have felt just, like, sh- shame and um, and guilt for spending a day sleeping three days later. And because, of this pro- because I've gained some awareness in this program, I was able to say, like, ooh, I think this might be processing. Even though it's three days later after the accident, I'm not feeling physically you know, pain from the accident, but I'm feeling some emotional pain and what my body needs is rest. Like I just, that's the, the piece of working through this program, doing so many tenth steps that now I have this awareness that comes up and it just comes up quicker, even though it might, you know, might've been like whatever, a week later or three days after the accident, at least it's coming up and the, the pattern is just happening quicker. That makes sense. Sarah, I'm going uh, to ask a question based on an assumption, so forgive me if the assumption is wrong, but I'm assuming you don't have contact with your father because it jeopardizes your own emotional well being. Mm. So, based on that, how do you consolidate forgiveness with no contact? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the no contact with my father. The question is about no contact with my father. How do I consolidate no contact with forgiveness? And um, it, it, you're right. I, I I don't have contact with him because it does jeopardize my both my emotional state and my abstinence and my um, and he's in, in his addiction. So it's hard to have a conversation with people who are um, not present. He's not present when I you know I realized like the more I talk to him at the end before I put the no contact up. And then, you know, the no contact wasn't like, we're never gonna contact each other again. It was just like, I need to have a break from this. So I'm gonna go, I mean, I'm gonna take a break, which means I won't be contacting you. Um, And then just finally coming to the realization that like, I'm not gonna be able to have a relationship with him while he's in his addiction. And the, the resentment has shifted from and he's choosing his addiction over me, which was the first thought when I first got into program, to like, God, he not, it's not even a choice. Like when I realized coming into these rooms that we're not all making a choice to be compulsive overeaters. We are compulsive overeaters and God helps us relieve the compulsion. And then applying that to, my, to him, that was so important. Thank you for the question.